All right. Welcome to another episode of Campus Life here, everybody, our weekly college-focused episode here on Campus to Canton. As always, I am Colin. Or I, yeah, I am Colin. I am Austin. And this is Colin. And we have a very special guest here with us tonight, uh, college fantasy guru, craft beer aficionado, and just all-around fun Twitter follow, uh, Nate. Uh, is it Marchese? Marchese? How do you say it? I meant to ask you this before we went on. No, it's all good. It's, uh, it's actually pronounced Marquise is how I Marquise. pronounce it. Uh, so I was wrong on both counts. Awesome. So Nate Marquise is here. So welcome, Nate. Thanks for joining us here a little bit tonight uh, to talk some college fantasy football. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Um, so just tell the little, I mean, what, what um, generally do you work on within college football? Where can we find what you do and, and all of that kind of good stuff before we get kicked off here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, I, I kind of like to think of myself more as a just kind of independent uh, entity with uh, with college fantasy football. You can find me at CFF Nate um, on Twitter. So that's that's what keeps me busy. I um, I, I, I like to post uh, a number of things upcoming. I've got uh, I'm going to talk about just kind of some uh, transfer stock up, stock down type guys, uh, just because the portal's been such a huge uh, talking point here over the. Uh, the off season, but, um, really that's, that's about it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly on Twitter, just, uh, wanting to start as much conversation as I can, because I love it. And I enjoy it. And, uh, and that's where I spend most of my time as far as college fantasy football. I'm a, I'm a physical therapist by trade. Uh, that's what I got my, uh, my doctorate degree in. And so I use that to, uh, just kind of give me an idea of, uh, you know, movement science, how people move, um, and those types of things whenever I'm breaking down film to kind of see, okay, how, how, how's this guy looking uh, as far as incoming freshmen and uh, just kind of use that to my advantage to get an idea of, um, of what type of potential a player might have as he, uh, as he enters the college football landscape. Awesome. Awesome. I did not know the last part. So that, that's very interesting. I love that. Um, you're also a big craft beer guy. We were talking a little bit about, about it before the show here. And I can see, you know, uh, this, this is just in pod form, but we're, we can all see each other. So I see you drinking on something there. What, uh, what, what's been something you've really been into lately that you've been drinking or just, you know, seasonally appropriate, something like that, that, that you've been enjoying. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I enjoy, um, big, bold uh type craft beers i drink a lot of barrel aged stouts barrel aged barley wines those types of things those are really my jam um but right now uh just so that i can stay sane as we go through this podcast i'm i'm sipping on an ipa um which is uh made by a, a local brewery here in kansas city which is where i reside uh brewery called bks this one's called uh, um, pink boots um betty's boots it's it's really good so it's just a nice crushable new england style ipa so I, uh, craft beer is a passion of mine. I got a lot of friends in the craft beer community and, uh, um, yeah, this is really good. Love it. Love it. Colin, what are you, what if, well, we, you're drinking a yingling right now, you said, right? So, you know, yeah. crafty for like the West coast and they hear about yingling, but for us in PA, not so much, uh, any, anything else you've been drinking that's been, been good lately? Um, yeah, I had one that stood out the other night. Um, it was probably about a week ago or so. Um, my girlfriend and I went out to uh, the one restaurant around here called the Tap House. Um, they they have some of their own. Uh, I don't think they sell, but they like brew some of their own and sell it like it, at the restaurant. Uh, they had a really good uh, whiskey barrel aged maple porter. Um, that I was a huge fan of that one. So I'm a big porter stouts fan. Um, I like them a little bit heavier. 
uh, that one was really good. You could definitely taste a little bit of the whiskey in that one, though. Love it. Love it. You guys, I mean, I, I, I'll drink like five like stouts or porters a year. It's like when it's cold out and I just like need something heavy, I'll, I'll do that. Um, I'm definitely more I, of a... I think I had five yesterday. Man, yeah, I, I got to try to get into that because that's like the only thing I don't drink a lot of. I do, you know, I, I prefer IPAs. I'll do a sour now and then. Um, I gained an appreciation for them when I worked at a, at a brew pub for a couple months, a couple years ago, um, uh, wheat beers. But I've been drinking um, this, uh, it's a brew gentleman. It's a little brewery here in Pittsburgh. And I have a general Braddock's here with me this evening. So for anybody that can get their hands on that, I highly recommend it. Um, and that's all I've been drinking lately, really. Um, nothing too crazy. Um, so I think that's enough beer talk here, guys. That's, uh, I guess people came to listen to us talk about football. So let's give them a little bit of that. Um, spring practices. I mean, they're, they're coming, um, you know, fast and heavy here at this point, if they haven't started up yet in the next week here, most teams will have kicked off a lot of news, um, injury related position battle rate, uh, related. Um, we have a couple storylines picked out here to discuss tonight. Um, I will kick this one to you here, Nate, the LSU QB battle it's Ed, Ed Ordron has said that he has them all splitting snaps. Do we still think that miles Brennan's the day one starter there? is there somebody else that we prefer? And for the rest of that offense, is there a guy that, that you hope maybe ends up taking the job? Yeah. So I, I find this kind of wild because it seemed like all off season last year, leading up to the 2020 season, coach O was hyping up miles Brennan, like crazy. Like he was, he was saying that he's, he's clear heads and shoulders above everybody else. And he performed really, really well last year in the limited time that he had before he we had the oblique injury and obviously Max Johnson was good when he came in. Uh, TJ Finley kind of got the short stick. He, he faced some of the, the better defenses and, um, and, and was kind of phased out and Max Johnson took over at that point. So I find it fascinating that, that it's almost, you almost get the sense this off season that um, Brennan's getting kind of Wally pipped here um, when he played really, really well. Uh, I do think that, from, from just kind of reading the tea leaves of, of the, uh, the beat writers there in, in LSU, that they, they think Max Johnson's legit. They think he's actually contending for this job. Um, and they, he does fit a lot of the things that they want. I think in the end, um, Miles Brennan will end up carrying this job going into week one, but I, I am surprised. I do think this is going to be a little bit closer than, than we – than I at least had originally expected um, as the way things played out last year. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely interesting that Max Johnson's the one who's kind of running. He's getting like the first reps there now, granted they're, they're still splitting. They say they're giving them all equal reps, but um, just the fact that they're giving him the first snaps um, was kind of surprising. Cause like you said, they kind of, they hyped up miles Brennan and he looked good in the limited work that he had. Um, you know, probably the biggest knock on him there was the completion percentage only at 60.3%. Um, it's a little bit lower than maybe you want to see, but, you know, he still looks pretty good. Um, you know, and then you saw Max Johnson step in and Max Johnson did bring a little bit of a, of a rushing element to it too, which, um, you know, he's not a true dual threat, but, you know, he can kind of move around a little bit back there, which I think brings an interesting element to the offense that, you know, maybe they want to kind of go back to, cause they had a little bit of success with that with Burrow. 
Um, so I think maybe that's the reason Max Johnson's running ahead of him. But either way, I think whoever comes out of this is definitely somebody that you're going to want to keep an eye on. At least, you know, they're probably going to be a valuable starter. So, you know, it's definitely a battle to monitor all spring. Yeah, it almost seems like it's just a reassessment type offseason for them. I don't know. That's what it kind of has been reading like to me. You know, they, they didn't have much success in a lot of areas last year. I mean, a lot of guys in and out, you know, inconsistency. The running backs weren't great. So I, I don't really know. But you, you seem to think, Nate, that that either it's either Brennan or Johnson, you know, Finley and then Nussmeyer, probably not the guy this year. Yeah, I, I do think it's a two-man race. And I, and I do think whoever wins this job is a legitimate um, – you know, has, has some really nice fantasy opportunity. I mean, obviously the receiver core is really nice. I'm not sure if you guys saw the recent talk that um, Eric Gilbert is actually reconsidering a return to LSU, um, which was kind of wild. Um, but when, when you have an offense that runs at the pace they do, that throws the, the way they do over the, at least over the last couple of years and has the weapons that they do, um, and can integrate a little bit of run game as well. I do think that whoever ends up coming away with this job, and I do think it is one of those two guys, um, is a legit fantasy option. Yeah, yeah, you heard it here first, guys. And I know we've been doing, you know, CFF and C2C a little bit different. We've been doing a lot of these C2C mocks. Uh, Johnson, I don't believe, has been drafted through 20 rounds in any of them, you know, of the 8 to 10 we've done. Uh, Brennan goes late, so, you know, both – good values in those, but if, if Johnson takes it, you know, he's, he's not getting taken anywhere right now. So uh, people are probably getting some great value there. Um, Arizona state wide receivers. Is this an offense that we think will be prolific enough that there's going to be maybe more than one that we're interested in, or are they going to all kind of have their roles and watch each other out? Um, does anybody have any strong thoughts on that? Um, Nate, I'll kick to you first again here. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I do think, LV Shelton Bunkley is the guy to own. Uh, I think he has, or at least last year he did um, kind of take that, uh, you know, become the main guy. The problem is, is that their pass offense was so abysmal um, through their four games last year. And I do think it'll be better this year with Zach Hill in year two as the OC. I, they can't be really much worse than what they were last year, but um they, I, I'd, I'd seen a stat. They, they threw 35% of the time. It was actually dead last in P5 pass offense as far as percentage of, of run, run versus pass. 65% run, 35% pass. That's not a great sign. Um, you know, obviously they've got a, you know, a strong quarterback that can make plays. And, but, I, this is not a pass offense that I'm actively seeking out. LB Sheldon Love has got solid game. I don't think uh, Johnny Wilson came in as a top 10 guy. I'm not seeing it. He, he's way too slow out of breaks for me. Um, so it's, it's not, it's not a, it's, it's not a pass offense. I'm actively seeking out. Badger's nice. I do think that the, the Oklahoma transfer Jalen Conyers who scored a couple touchdowns in their spring game, uh, and they're adamant as a staff about uh, having the tight end be a, uh, a part of that offense. I do think can have a small role, but uh, honestly, it's not an offense uh, pass offense. And I'm really seeking out a lot of their parts. On, on the flip side, are you, are you excited about their running backs then? Like, are you, are you whites and or Trianum or even, you know, uh, a guy like Ngata who didn't really touch the field that much last year? You know, how many of those guys do you think can be relevant for this year? Oh, I think multiple of them can. When you're running the ball 65% of the time through four games last year, um, 
you know, and uh, they 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 each are, or at least all three of them to this point that we've seen can be uh, factors in the pass game as well. Um, yeah, they, those are there. I think there are multiple now. Zach Hill, at least from his time at, at Boise, and just based off the Boise way and what we've seen, uh, they tend to feature one back. I I still think that Chip Trayonum could be that guy, and even though that. Um, I know that Rashad White put up monster numbers in limited time last year um, in, in as far as his yards per carry and that type of thing. But I, I, I think two of them can be very effective, and I actually still kind of lean a little bit on Chip's side. Awesome. I love that. I, that I'm, I might be the world's biggest Chip fan, so um, I, I'm glad to hear somebody saying that. Um, That's music to Austin's ears. <laughs> yeah, Colin, do you have a wide receiver there? I mean, you like Badger, right? And they were talking a little bit about trying to get the ball in his hands a little bit more. Is that a guy that you're buying here? Um, it Maybe not on, for 2021, but you know, just yeah. I think it depends on the price uh, for Badger. For Badger, there, um, I think he's definitely the most intriguing option on that offense, just because he has the most uh, athleticism. He's the most dynamic out of the guys there. So you know, he brings like a big play threat there. I think he could have a similar role to what we saw Brandon Ayuk play. Um, I think that's probably, you know, like a, a role that he could fill eventually. Now, I don't necessarily know if I see him stepping into that this year. Um, I think LV, LV Bunkley Shelton is definitely the safest of the guys there to own. I think his role is the most projectable. You know, he's going to be in the slot there. He's going to see a, a good amount of volume. Um, you know, I think he's a good enough athlete where he can turn some of that volume into a little bit of run after the catch. You know, he could provide some extra yards there. So I think if we're talking just like a CFF redraft league, uh, I'm not, probably not that interested in Badger, uh, but if we're talking, you know, C2C, yeah, I'm definitely interested in Badger. Um, you know, I have him in one place and I would be looking to acquire him pretty much anywhere else. Yeah. The one guy that seemed that throws a little bit of a wrench into things there. And just, I don't know why they brought him in was Brian Thompson from Utah. Not because I think he's good or he's fantasy relevant, but now I'm not sure like what he does snap share wise to like all those other guys now, because he's an experienced guy, you know, you got to figure a, a fifth year kid, coming in there, we'll, we'll play a little bit. So he's, he's worrying me a little bit there for some of those guys who, who we've talked about before on the show. And we, we like um, Florida QB battle. Cause I think Florida is about done here for the, um, the spring. Um, trying to replace Kyle Trask. You have Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, who I think, you know, it's not a, a battle of styles or anything. You know, they're both very similar stylistically. Um, Dan Mullen has suggested that he might rotate QBs next year. Do we believe that? And if we don't, then is there one guy that we're that we think gets the job that we think looks that will be better if he gets the job? Um, and I'll, I'll toss to Nate first again here. Yeah. Um, first of all, I think I, I think I called him LV Shelton Bumpley. He's got too many names. I think I got all, all sorts of confused. <laughs> no. it's, it's the it's the Ben Jarvis Green Ellis all over again. We've got we've got a new one of those. He's he's, he's yeah he's he's a law firm <laughs> of uh, you know of and to himself there in Arizona State. Um, so as far as the the, the Florida QB situation, um, I, I I man he everything that we're reading uh, is that Emory Jones has played very poorly in these scrimmages that they've had at Florida early on. Uh, they're trying to implement a lot of new things with him. They're trying to go back to uh, a lot of QB run play that they got away from with Cal Trask. I don't think. There is a ton of uh, snaps that are going to be shared between the two of them, uh, Richardson and uh, and Emory Jones. I do think that uh, Emory Jones gets the bulk of them. 
Um, it's going to really depend on how he plays early on. If he, if he shines uh, through the first uh, couple weeks, then I think that that's going to be kind of his job to own. He's going to run with it. He's probably going to perform very well because it's uh, it's a Dan Mullen system. But um, I, I do think that there's a little bit of overhype early on that Richardson's going to get um, a little bit of play. I don't, I don't think that's the case. We don't like that for the receivers then though there, right? Like, is there anybody there that's going to be relevant? I mean, they lose a bunch of guys anyway, you know, Pitts being the top guy, but then you lose a guy like Tony as well, um, a, a Grimes. So you're, you're looking at maybe a Jacob Copeland, uh, maybe like an Xavier Henderson. I mean, I don't even know if we really know who the top guy there would be regardless, but um, I, I don't, I don't know if, if Emory Jones is good for either of those guys. Right. No, I, this is, yeah, this is definitely a situation where you're going to see way more run influence, uh, way more QB power, way more, um, you know, uh, RPO type stuff going on down. Dan Mullen's going to get back to some of what he was doing uh, at Mississippi state for sure. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be too excited about the, uh, the re- receiver situation of Florida, by the way, they, they, I think they have Bama in week three. So um, we're going to have to know by week two, uh, what the quarterback situation is. I don't think they're going to want to go into that game trying to uh, play uh, you know, musical chairs with QB. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a rough one. Um, does that mean it's DeMarcus Bowman, Bowman season then, or, you know, you know, somebody like that that can really break out and be, you know, a super fantasy producer for this year? Yeah. I mean, for the running backs there, there's honestly, there's probably just too many mouths to feed for me. There's, you know, you have Damon Pierce. He was the leading rusher from last year. Uh, you know, he's coming back 106 carries. Um, you know, he had 17 catches there. They're bringing back Malik Davis, too, who was the number two in carries. He's 66, but he also added 31 catches. So that's about another 100 touches there from the running back position. Uh, Naquan Wright, 54 carries, 19 catches. Uh, by all accounts that I've been seeing, Lorenzo Lingard has looked good this spring. Um, you know, he transferred from Miami. He was a high-end recruit. So, but he didn't really have a spring practice to get acclimated there. And it took him a little bit longer. He didn't really do a whole lot last year, but now you have to factor him in as well. If he's starting to look good. Uh, So you're looking at like four or five running backs there that, you know, all are, you know, either returning production or we're high end recruits. So with Bowman, I mean, he's definitely the highest recruit out of all of them. Uh, You know, he brings, he's very dynamic, brings, you know, a lot of speed to the position there, but I don't know what his role is going to be in that offense. You know, and there's just, like I said, there's just, there's four other guys there. I don't know how that's going to shake out. You know, if we start hearing that Bowman is, you know, leading the group and he's getting the bulk of the carries, then I'll definitely reassess. But for right now, with everybody that they have there and with how early that Bowman goes in C2C drafts, I don't know about CFF ones. So I'm not entirely sure where he goes on those, but he, in pretty much everything, he's going to go too early for me. So I'm not going to end up with Bowman anywhere. Uh, yeah, I, I agreed with that. It's a, um, it's a situation where, especially from a C2C standpoint, um, I, I do think he's going a, a bit too high for what I would like. And, and Mullins had some guys, Aries Williams um, and, a, and a handful of other guys in his past it, Mississippi State that have been, you know, 200 carry thousand yard guys. I just, I, I don't know if that's the situation here, especially with Emory Jones, likely uh, man in the, uh, the QB situation. No, I think that's fair. Um, 
Yeah, just a lot of question marks there. And I don't think the spring necessarily an- answered anything for us, um, at least as you know, fans and, and fantasy players. Um, the big injury that we've had so far through spring, you know, there have been a few other ones. You know, Jake Smith out with the foot injury, Jalen Weidermeyer is missing, missing spring. Um, um, John Mechie, you know, uh, limited. Um, but it's, it's George Pickens is the, is the big one. I think that's pretty obvious. To, supposed to be the leading guy at Georgia this year at wide receiver and is now – uh, probably done for the year. I mean, people are kind of hopefully, you know, uh, saying that, Oh, maybe he'll be back. I, he'll be pushing it to, to make it back with a torn ACL there by the end of the year. So with him out, you know, we have probably Jermaine Burton and probably Kiars Jackson starting there um, with what sounds like a healthy JT Daniels uh, for the reports coming out of there say that he looks improved compared to last off season and, and last regular season. Is there another guy that we're looking at for fantasy? Is it going to be the Jermaine Burton, Kiaris Jackson show? Is the, is the third guy going to be like a, a, an unsexy guy like Demetrius Robinson or something like that? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, Nate? Uh, yeah, I, I will say from, from a uh, C2C and a Debbie standpoint, this does worry me a little bit about Pickens. Um, you know, I uh, – you know, I'm not here to shame the kid or anything like that, but I know we, we all know it's, it's, he struggled with some maturity issues and some off the field stuff. So it does concern me a little bit that you take football away, um, that, that maybe that's a little bit of a problem. Um, hopefully he's able to return healthy, plays a few games at the end of the year, goes on draft, everything's good. Um, but that does concern me a little bit. I do think there's a big, a little bit of a drop from, what we're going to see with Burton as the one you want in a, in a Munkin offense, you want the outside guy. Kyrus Jackson's really going to remain relatively unchanged from, from my standpoint. Um, the, the inside receiver role, he's going to do what he did last year. And that's, that's pretty much about his ceiling. You want the outside guy. I do think that, um, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to trust Blaylock with some of his injury history. Um, my guess is, and somebody I've been tweeting about is, uh, is Arian Smith. I think is a guy that could step up and uh, get a lot of looks, uh, you know, with the first string in this, uh, in this spring, he's got serious sprinter speed, uh, 10.300 meter, uh, which was actually faster than Miko Hardman. So yeah, I think that's, that's the kind of guy that I'm looking at. Um, but I do think there's a little bit of a drop with Pickens out. Yeah. Do you think Burton has a monster year this year now, you know, in that Munkin offense? Is, is he uh, shoot up uh, a CFF board for you? Oh, yeah. He's a guy that he, he's definitely going to hop a few a few tiers for me. He's not going to get like whatever you were expecting on Pickens. I don't know that that you can expect that out of Burton, um, but he's just he's he's a little bit of a notch below that, but not far, not far. Yeah. Who do you want to see, Colin? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think. Uh, you know, Nate's Nate nailed it there. It, you know, you want the number one outside guy in a Todd Monken offense, and that that's going to be Jermaine Burton. Um, you know, plus his he was an elite athlete coming out. Uh, you know, four four forty, uh, a thirty nine inch for three nine five um, shuttle. So you know, he was elite athleticism there. He's got good size, and you know, he it blew up in his first game with JT Daniels, you know, nine, one eighty-seven, and two TDs against Mississippi state. That was huge. Uh, but he kind of fell off a little bit the rest of the way with um, Daniels there. You know, we three for 33, five for 38 and one for six, the rest of the way when Daniels was back. 
Um, whereas Pickens, you know, he was the clear alpha there. You know, he went eight for 87 and two with Daniels, three for 25, five for 126 and two touchdowns and seven for 135 and one TD in, in the games with Daniels. So, you know, there's a pretty clear contrast between the wide receiver one and the wide receiver two in that offense. And, you know, Kiaris Jackson, uh, he didn't really do that much with Daniels either. I mean, he had that big, um, you know, week two game against Auburn where he went nine for 147, but that was still the Stetson Bennett show or, you know, whoever they were deciding to trot out there at that point. Um, you know, when, when Daniels came in, you know, he went four for 55 and one, one catch for four yards, one catch for 12 yards, three catch for 47 yards. So, you know, while I think that JT Daniels is going to help that offense, uh, you know, be a little bit more explosive than last year and having him back to full health is going to be big. So I don't necessarily, I think, you know, they're, they're going to put up big numbers. I think you still want the wide receiver one there. And beyond that, I don't know how much, I don't know how interested I am in the rest of these guys. Um, like you said, Blaylock has some injuries. Uh, Rosemary Saint, uh, Rosemary Jack Saint um, is still working his way back uh, from that foot injury or he fractured, dislocated his ankle. You know, they're expecting him to be ready in the summer. Same with Blaylock. Demetrius Robertson, he isn't, you know, he had a big freshman year at Cal, hasn't done anything since. Um, so I think Arian Smith is probably the guy that I'd be the most interested in. Um, but I think you're going to see a lot of people start to come around onto him as well. And then you know, they bring in two wide receivers in this freshman class who are both early enrollees. So maybe one of those guys competes. But overall, I think it's Burton or Bust for me. Uh, I'm not too interested in the rest of those guys. It would just it would just be a total Georgia move there to put Robertson in and just upset us all. Dude, <laughs> speaking of Robertson, man, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy go from uh, from a top five from a college fantasy football standpoint. I, I, I owned him his freshman year at Cal, and you couldn't have you couldn't have pinpointed a more excited owner of that guy than me. I was all in on his game, and my God has he been a disappointment? So yeah, that would only make sense if uh, somehow he figures out how to play football again and uh, is legit at uh, Georgia this year. I, I got him in a, a C2C. My first C2C draft I ever did, I was so excited that I got Demetrius Robertson. Like it was an auction. I spent a decent amount of money on him. The year that he transferred to Georgia, I was so excited. And that just never really happened. So, um, but you know, I, yeah, I, it's a, it's such a murky situation there. And I just have this, feeling in the pit of my stomach that the least appealing option is what's going to occur. Um, all right. So, you know, we, we do, you know, it's a C2C show, you know, we talk a lot of campus to Canton stuff and, you know, this, the college fantasy part of it factors in, but, you know, neither of us are experts quite like you are Nate. Um, so while we have you on the show here tonight, we wanted to just get some, you know, general and, and some strategic and full philosophical type ways that maybe you approach, um, CFF. Um, so, I mean, you've been doing this for a while, just, you were, you were talking about before the show, what, like, how do you approach these kinds of things when you start to look at things, how, how you break them down and, and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I have, I've been doing this a long time and this is, uh, I don't know, year 14 or 15 that I've been playing CFF. Um, I actually back, back in the day, we, <laughs> me and some buddies actually did this, uh, by hand on Excel spreadsheets uh, before uh, CBS actually had a, uh, a platform to do this on. Uh, my wife hated me every Sunday morning uh, 
uh, I would uh, add them up hungover as, and uh, try to add up all the scores and, and then relay that on the rest of the, uh, the league as far as how the scoring was playing out that week. Uh, and then eventually Fantrax got it, which was nice. Um, I did uh, a, a while back, uh, there was actually a website, uh, CFF Geeks, that um, would put out uh, some, some information on uh, uh, analysis on college fantasy football. I did a podcast with Todd DeVries, the guy that ran the, uh, the site over there. So I did that one season with him. Uh, before that ended up uh, uh, folding and and then I just kind of moved over to Twitter and and uh, and tweeted about it there but yeah I've been doing this um, I've been doing this for a long time uh, so I definitely um, you know have have some thoughts on on strategies and, and how to uh, uh, go about your draft from a college fantasy football standpoint awesome so um, you know do you do mostly redraft or dynasty or how do, how do you usually do CFF? You yeah, so yeah, um, I, I do a couple. I usually, it's it's kind of a mix. Um, Dynasty is my thing. That's 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 my area of what I would consider my area of expertise. It's where I put a lot of my effort. Um, it's a lot of my my focus is on that. I do I do some redrafts, and then I've kind of gotten into uh, best ball recently. I, I feel like there's really no better way to get an idea of the college fantasy football landscape on how guys are going to get drafted then uh do a couple best ball uh leagues just kind of draft it and quit it type deal uh at the beginning of the season to get a feel for where guys are going so i love doing uh some best ball i know that uh there's a handful of us in the industry um that uh are going to do um uh, another round of we, we tried to do it last year but the pandemic kind of played a role of doing uh, a monthly best ball from April all the way till when the season begins and then uh, tallying up the results and see, okay, who's overall had the best uh, best ball drafts over the course of those uh, five drafts to determine like an overall winner. So that's, that's a lot of fun. Oh, that is awesome. That's, that sounds like a fun format. Um, so uh, I guess general draft strategy, you were, you were saying you do something a little bit differently than maybe other people do, or you approach a little bit differently um, can you tell us just a little bit about, you know, what, what you're doing that, that you think is, is different and maybe has given you a little more success than others? Yeah. Well, I will say, because most of your listeners are probably a lot of C2C, uh, Debbie type guys. So I'll, I'll just kind of differentiate some of the things from the college side of things that, uh, maybe I do differently than what you would see in a normal NFL type draft. Um, I, I think there's a couple points. I think the biggest thing is, when it comes to college fantasy, don't be afraid to take risks. That's the biggest thing. It's a, it's a massive player pool, a lot of different teams go for high ceiling, high risk guys. Um, if you don't, if, for instance, with quarterbacks, if you don't play in an air raid, or if you're not a, a dual threat guy that can get me 500 yards on five TDs with his legs, I, I really don't have any interest in rostering you um, in my roster. So Go for those high ceiling guys. You're going to miss the difference in, in NFL leagues. If you miss on your first three picks, you're toast. There's, there's no way that you're, you're likely to win that league. College fantasy is a little bit different. You miss on the first three picks. There's guys that are going to come out of nowhere. They're going to put out some pretty monster seasons that you can then um, capitalize on and still be very, you know, put together a very competitive roster. Uh, the other thing is that's really different from most NFL leagues or, or you know, and this, this plays a role in Debbie as well. College fantasy is all about 
systems. Take system over talent almost every time. In the NFL, you want talent over the systems. It doesn't fluctuate that much uh, from team to team as far as the systems that they're running. So you want the most talented players. But in college fantasy, you have to study the coaches as much, if not more, than the actual players. So let me put that in perspective. Obviously, it's easy to see that uh, having, uh, you know, the quarterback in a Mike Leach system or a Lincoln Riley system is going to produce great results. But you have to kind of dig a little bit deeper than that. E- even in a system like P.J. Fleck, who doesn't pass the ball very much, they, they threw, I think they threw 42% of the time last year. But they tend to target their wide receiver one and wide receiver two with like 90% of their targets. It's insane. So you know that even though they don't – I will never own a, a P.J. Fleck quarterback because it's not air raid and it's not a dual threat guy. But I will own a P.J. Fleck wide receiver one. I mean, we're talking about um, a history of guys like Daniel Braverman, um, Corey Davis, Tyler Johnson – Rashad Bateman. So th- we have a we have a history here that's being built of very very highly productive wide receivers. So even though it's not a air raid system, so to speak, you want wide receivers in that. So it's 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 just about the history that those coaches have. I think a great example would be um, Malik Willis, for instance. He put up monster numbers under Hugh Freeze. And it was obvious to me to see that that was going to be the case this past season. But if Malik Willis played for an Iowa or a Wisconsin or something like that, I don't even know that he's rosterable. But that's not the case in most NFL leagues when you when you talk about um, some of the elite quarterbacks like Kyler Murray or Patrick Mahomes or whatever the case may be. They're rosterable in any situation, and they're going to be top five to top ten producers. College football, you'd have to know – that system really well. I like that. I like that. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just chewing on that a little bit mentally here. Um, what you just said, oh, that's, that's, that's good stuff. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, talking about systems and, you know, buying into that a little more, um, you know, we, we put a little uh, P5 versus G5 here. Do you actually end up preferring to take some G5 guys then, you know, talking about like, you know, the Maction on Wednesdays or Thursdays or whatever, and you know, the Mountain West, you know, some of those conferences that just historically are more wide open? Yeah, I mean, you're going to get some high producers from G5 systems. Um, Maction's great. That's a great example. Uh, I, I will say this I will, I will caution some of your listeners to a certain degree with uh, especially Maction who, um, who kind of got started late last year that um, let's take Kent State, for example, where um, their non-conference last year going into 2020 was supposed to be, I believe it was Alabama, Kentucky, Penn State, and somebody else. I don't remember who. Obviously, the pandemic hit. They didn't play any of those teams. Um, and they only played conference games against Buffalo and Ohio and, and whoever else. And now they go into the 2021 season and their non-conference consists of uh, opponents like Texas A&M and Iowa, two very legit defenses from Big Ten and SEC. Um, so there may be some a little bit of bloated stats that you're going to see from some of those G5 conferences uh if you're just strictly looking at how things turned out last year so i I will say 
a little bit of uh, pumping the brakes needs to be done there because the first four weeks of 2021 could look very different from what um, guys put up in 2020. But for the most part, yeah, like you want to identify um, systems like uh, Buffalo who, who can produce a Jared Patterson and know that Marks is going to be a monster this year because those are just like, they just don't have a way to stop that system that they're running there on the ground game with Buffalo. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of that. It doesn't necessarily translate in C2C and Debbie leagues as much as it does in CFF, but um, you can pretty much count on uh, a lot of G5 guys carrying your squad from week four all the way through the championship. I love that. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a sell Dustin crumb. Uh, infomercial there for for everybody listening to this after the fact because uh, <laughs> uh, they play they play some tough defenses to start the year so um, you know my my preaching of of Dustin Crum is QB one this year in, in college fantasy might have been premature um, cool so that's Just after uh, week four by the way it sounds right <laughs> so yeah so if you're in and if you're looking to buy them yeah go buy them like week three and you know then you're, then you're set for the rest of the year um, yeah, so. I- I will say I'm a huge, huge fan of that Kent State offense. So, but I, I get past the uh, get past the Iowa game, and it's 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 uh, they they could go bonkers, no doubt. So speaking of you know Dustin Crum and Malik Willis, then those are probably two of the top contenders for for the QB one this year. Are there any other guys that stand out to you immediately? You know, like I, I saw DJU has been going early in some of these mocks that um, Mike Bainbridge has been going. Do you think he can contend for QB one or? Or is there anybody else in that tier for you? Um, yeah, I do. I, I think I think Malik Willis is is about as close to a tier of himself as we can get. Um, I don't know that it's Lamar Jackson level, but it's getting pretty close because of that schedule that Liberty's going to play. I, I mentioned earlier that things could be a little a little different scheduling wise. For instance, BYU and Liberty played crazy cupcake type schedules last year uh zach wilson and malik wills capitalized on it that's not so much the case for byu this year their schedule is a lot tougher in 2021 um but not not liberty and malik wills is just i mean he's he's continues to play that cupcake so i do think he's kind of on a tier by himself uh, I think there's a handful of guys that are right there. You mentioned DJU. Uh, yeah. Um, I think if De'Ara King uh, stays, like if he's able to show in early fall camp that he's healthy, that knee's fine. Um, but yeah, I think we, we have a handful of guys, uh, Crum, DJU, Rattler, uh, Gabriel, King, uh, Desmond Ritter, and Bryce Young and Matt Corral that are kind of, right there in that whole group together. I will say some of the coaching changes with, uh, you know, Gabriel and uh, really even Bryce Young to a certain degree with Sark moving on um, make me kind of pause a little bit, but I would say Crum and DJ, you are the most likely to contend for that top spot with Millie Wills. Well, that Colin, do you have any guys that stand out to you that, you know, you think can be a top guy here this year that you're trying to scoop up places. Can I talk about uh, Hudson card again? <laughs> Get out of here with Hudson card. No. Yes. Please talk, talk about Texas or Hudson card or Casey Thompson, whoever you want to um, talk about. Yeah. I mean, Hudson card, you know, for anybody, you know, for our listeners, they know Hudson cards, like one of my guys, one of the guys I, I'm a big fan of. I liked him coming out last year. Um, 
you know, I, I liked his odds of stepping up and taking over that role, you know, even before Sark got there, you know, once Ellinger moved on, I thought he could really be the guy there. And, you know, now they bring in Sark and they bring in that offense. Um, I do really think that Hudson, I genuinely believe that Hudson Card, you know, assuming he wins that job, which, you know, it's, it's, it still sounds like it's fairly open right now, but I think they want Card to win that job. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to hand it to him, but I think they want him to win uh, just for some stability there over the last, uh, over the next couple years into Sark's tenure, you know, I mean, he could start off with Thompson and, you know, if Thompson's a better guy, but then Thompson's probably going to leave after that, you know, with the extra COVID here, we, we don't know exactly how it's going to shake out, but I would assume that Casey Thompson's going to leave after this year. So then you kind of have to restart over again anyway. And one of the big things before Sam Ellinger got there was Texas always struggled with, you know, having a consistent quarterback, you know, and that was one of the things that kind of caused them to fall off in the first place, you know, and now they are air quotes back ish when they had Sam Ellinger, um, you know, there who is at least a stable presence. I, I think that they probably want card to win that job so he can provide a stable presence for the future as well. If he does win that job, <laughs> you're talking to you're talking to the OU fan here. So yeah, I was just saying, Freddie. You, know, you guys can't see it, but uh, Nate just grabbed his OU hat and held it up to the <laughs> held it up to the camera there. So, do um, you do you feel the same way about the Texas offense then with Sarko in there, Nate? Like, is it is it you know rocket ship emoji for whoever whatever guy wins that job? Yes, I, I, man, that, that does pain me to say a lot. Um, I, uh, yes, if base, once again, we're going back to systems and um, we have enough evidence from Alabama. Uh, we have enough evidence from his time at, uh, at, at Washington, certainly, and even a little bit at, um, at USC, uh, despite how much of a disaster that was, uh, that Sark, produces some really, really prolific, uh, fantasy football offenses. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of lump Texas in the same group with Ohio state where I'm totally confused on kind of what the quarterback situation is going to be. Um, and I do think whoever wins that job has the opportunity to be a top 10 guy. If you f- can find a way to handcuff them, um, awesome in college fantasy football. The problem is, is that you're likely to spend, not one, but two picks a little bit higher than probably what you're comfortable with um, in order to get the, you know, the, the potential starters there. And then it's just, it's kind of messy, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I mean, obviously Texas has the guys, they, they got Bijan, they got, you know, they got um, Hudson card and Thompson. I mean, everything's in line for them to be a really nice offense this year. So then I guess beyond, you know, some of those top guys that you mentioned, and then obviously beyond the Texas guys here, is there either a mid-tier guy or, you know, a sleeper, just somebody that not is not really being talked about at that level that you think could make a, a jump up there? Like maybe, I, I don't know, I, I don't think people are really talking about Grant Cannell at Memphis. Could he be a guy that's pretty prolific this year? Because that's been an offense that's, that's produced some guys or, or maybe somebody else that, that you could see making a big jump. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got, I've got a few guys in mind. I, I do think Greg Anel is, uh, is solid. I think he's got the arm. I think he's got everything that it, uh, the Memphis quarterback position is looking like they did bring in a, a freshman. I think his last name was Brown. That was a dual threat guy. That's really nice uh, for them. They will have to compete with, but I think for the most part, um, 
Gunnell fits that system better uh, with some of their wide receiver options. One guy that I really like uh, is Cornelius Brown, AKA Quad Brown. Um, he, Georgia State. He, or he's he's a guy as a redshirt freshman um, went for twenty three hundred yards and seventeen TDs passing last year, three hundred yards rushing, seven rushing touchdowns. Um, he's got a really nice wide receiver group at the G five level, um, and their defense is just atrocious. And he will get serious volume in that system. They, they are constantly playing catch up. Um, and that's exactly what you want to see out of your quarterback. So I do think he went, um, I was looking at the uh, mock that we did the other day, industry mock. I got him in uh, round 13. He was QB 32. And I just feel like uh, he has the upside uh, to kind of be a, a legit QB two. And so if you get him at, at 32, you got to be really happy at something like, uh, you know, with his type of value. Love that. Do you, do you, um, are you buying Pinckney with him then as well? Who is his top target or, you know, maybe, you know, late. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm on board with that. Absolutely. Like I said, it's, it's a, it's a defense that uh, is, historically bad and that's what you want to see you you want to know the system in college fantasy is a little bit different from nfl where you have to kind of have a, a grasp of what type of defense your players you know are, are are playing with and in nfl they they tend to all be you know you don't really worry about you know even though miami's terrible defense you don't really worry about stuff like that in college fantasy you you know you know you don't want to own a kansas or Purdue running back for the most part and expect that person to get 25 carries. It's just not going to happen. Their, their game script isn't going to allow for that. Whereas, you know, on the flip side, you want a situation where you, you get the battery mates of, of quad Brown and Pickney where they're going to be throwing it constantly from about halftime on because they're constantly playing catch up. So yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. Colin, is there a guy that you like that's, um, you know, a little bit more underrated as a, a C2C slash CFF play this year that maybe you're targeting late in some, some drafts or as a you know, waiver wire guy? Uh, it's not a waiver wire guy here. This is one of a mid tier guys, but it kind of follows along the lines of what Nate was saying, where you want a guy in the right system. You want a guy who is going to be on a team where their defense is probably going to be poor they're going to be playing a lot of catch-up, a lot of garbage time, high-scoring games. And the guy for me for that is Hendon Hooker, um, transferring to Tennessee. Um, or you know, really whoever wins the, the starting job there. I mean, Bailey, Harrison Bailey's there. He could win that job. But I like Hendon Hooker. I think he's going to win that job. And he also brings, you know, an added element with his legs, too, which is just a huge plus. Um, if he finished last year with Virginia Tech as the QB 18 in points per game. And I think he's in a better situation this year for fantasy performance. Um, you know, Hypo's uh, offense is typically, you know, especially at this time at UCF, uh, it's a high volume passing offense. Like I mentioned, the defense is going to be poor. So, you know, I think he's going to be throwing the ball a lot, brings that element on the legs. And with his legs, I think, you know, he's a guy who could easily finish, um, you know, as a, as a top 15 for sure, but I think he could push for top 10 uh, fantasy position there because I mean, we saw Dylan Gabriel do it, and I don't think Hendon Hooker, from a fantasy standpoint, is any worse than Dylan Gabriel. 
Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I've, I always target Brennan Armstrong late because he's like free and he's just a guy that I, you know, gives you a little bit of everything and they're not very good either. So yeah, Nate, what up? I was just going to um, discuss the, the Hinden Hooker situation. I, I love that pick. Um, I do think uh, the system sets up well. They, based off all the, the transfers that they've got, they're clearly going to be running from behind in most of their games. The, the only thing that does concern me about the Hinden Hooker thing is that, oddly enough, he transferred there before the coaching change happened. Um, so I do have some concerns. It's not a hand-picked hypo guy. So he will definitely go into that uh, spring and fall camp um, on even ground with everybody else. Whereas if he were a guy that were hand-picked by hypo, I would really, really think that's a, a good indicator that he's going to be the starter. It is funny that, you know, uh, Hooker's kind of on one end of the spectrum and Bailey's kind of on the other. And then Kate on Salter would have kind of been in the middle and brought the two together. But now without him, they kind of have to pick – one guy and go with them, right? With but with both those guys being so different, you either you have to commit to the the rushing upside there with with Hooker, or you have to commit to the throw first with Bailey, who's really, I mean, he's okay, but he's not he's not you know, a dual threat, so to speak. No, I, Bailey does uh, from college fantasy standpoint because he is a statue. He he uh, interests me very little. Um, with at least this first year in Tennessee, I'm I'm going to need to. I'm going to need to have him prove it to me a little bit. Whereas I've, I've seen hooker prove it to me and, and I know he's got the wheels to be able to accompany um, some of the past game. Love it. Love it. Um, so let's skip ahead to running back here. Um, Brees Hall uh, goes early. Bijan, Kevin Marks, some guys, you know, we've talked about here already. Um, who are, who are those top tier guys uh, for you this year, Nate? Uh, my top tier consists of Brees Hall, uh, as I mentioned, Kevin Marks, love, love, love Kevin Marks in uh, the system taking over from Patterson. They, you know, they were kind of a 60-40 split last year. Um, they they haven't gotten in a transfer that I thought they would uh, this year. He almost transferred for some, for some reason and then came back. Um, I, I don't see any reason why he's not putting up stupid numbers. Uh, obviously, Mo Ibrahim uh, in that PJ Flex system – he, he proved it last year. He's going to be a monster. I think Bijan Robinson is going to get enough volume under, under Sark to, to kind of put him in that first group. Um, and I'm willing to do so because, as I mentioned, I want to take high-risk, high-ceiling type guys. Um, but I know the rest of those guys that I mentioned, uh, Hall, Marks, Ibrahim, are going to be 250 carries, 1,500 yards, 15 TD type guys. I love Ronnie Rivers in a, um, especially in a PPR league. Um, Fresno State uh, and, and their system is going to feature him well. He catches the ball really, really well. Um, I would say just below him, I have guys like, uh, I love Sincere McCormick, um, Spiller, Letty Brown, um, Bigsby, and then uh, Ulysses Bentley at uh, SMU. I just think that their high-octane offense is, uh, you know, he's got the opportunity to have really, really big weeks. No, Yeah, I like all those things. They're good shouts. Um, Colin, a guy maybe either mentioned there or not mentioned there that you're, that you're targeting this year. Um, so not mentioned there. Um, one of the guys that, you know, he's – he has a, a great pedigree there. You know, everybody was, everybody really liked this guy for a while. I mean, he, you know, just had an absolutely abysmal year last year with like no real explanation. 
Uh, but he's going to a new situation. So, and I like this situation a lot better. And that's Zach Charbonnet. Um, you know, he's, he was a four-star guy, number four running back. So a lot of talent. Now he's going over there to UCLA. He was the number 12 rushing offense last year. There were also the number 12 rushing offense the year before that. Um, they lose um, Dimitri Felton, uh, who was the uh, RB10 last year in uh, fantasy points per game. Now he did get a lot of work in the past game there as well. Um, but, you know, they lost their their high end or, or they lost their their um, return or the leading rushers from the year before. So I think Charbonnet is going to step in there into that rushing offense. I think he's going to put up really nice numbers. I don't see any reason why he doesn't do, you know, better than his freshman numbers at Michigan, which was uh, 726 yards and 11 touchdowns. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure exactly where he's going in CFF mocks, um, but, you know, in uh, our C2C mocks, he's been going pretty late. Um, well, he's, he's kind of been all over the board, but, you know, overall, I think he's going later than, than what he probably should. I, I really like uh, his marriage of talent situation there. I think it's going to be a nice, um, hopefully, rejuvenation for his career. Yeah, I know, I know exactly where he's going in the, in the fantasy mocks because I – I just took him in the 16th round of uh, of a mock, um, which was the last round of our mock. And yeah, I 100% agree with you. Uh, it's a Chip Kelly offense. There's it's Chip Kelly's offenses as far as systems are concerned. Not behind, not far behind, like a Wisconsin offense for college fantasy with running backs. Uh, Britton Brown is left behind after uh, Felton moved on, and he does very little for me. Um, this is a handpicked guy by Chip Kelly, a transfer in from Michigan. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, you know obviously I'm not I'm not saying he's on that upper echelon tiers, but with the value that I got for him in, in round 16, I think that he could uh, he could produce um, you know way 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 beyond that. Love it, love it. Um, yeah, no, he's so just in the C2C ones we're doing. So last month his ADP was 80 overall um and he was going around guys like jerome ford um noah kane uh kamar wheaton kind of in that tier tyler goodson um which is tyler goodson's a guy that you know maybe i'm interested in for for both purposes there but this month he's up to like 58 i don't know what happened over the past month that he's his value has been going up because it's not like ucla's had their spring practice yet um so maybe not much of a value anymore in c2c stuff but it sounds like cff you know 16th round that's that's um that's pretty good value at that point um, <clears throat> any super sleepers this year at running back, you know, guys that you think could really come out of the, the woodwork and end up being, um, you know, stars and, you know, without an injury, you know, do helping them out. Uh, a couple guys that I really like one, you're not going to be able to get as late as the other, but, um, Dwayne McBride for UAB is a guy that I'm really targeting and that I, that I, I'll be pretty, honestly, I'll be pretty pissed if I don't have him on 90% of my uh, rosters when it comes to uh, next season. And the other guy is Imani Bailey over at Louisiana. Um, Nick Bride, I, I honestly think he was better than Spencer Brown last year. Um, it's a system at UAB where 250 carries is almost, for the, for the RB1, is almost a floor, uh, which is just insane volume. Um, and, and he's a guy... Uh, that is when we talked about G5, uh, he's a G5 guy that I do think people are being, sl- that, that people are sleeping on him and he could actually 
um, have a role on Sundays. I, I, I think he's got that kind of ability. Um, Amani Brown, Louisiana, um, you know, Billy Napier has shown that at the Raging Cajuns are going to produce really, really impressive rushing stats. And not just one back can be uh, featured in that offense. I think Chris Smith's going to kind of take over that Elijah Mitchell role. Uh, he's got long speed. He's going to be able to get outside. He's going to, you know, break off some monster runs. But I think Monty Brown's a guy that could uh, kind of pound it between the tackles, um, could get you 10 to 12 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, uh, because he's going to get some of those goal line carries. So um, he's a guy that I would definitely uh, target late, late in some of the drafts. Like that. And then Colin, do you have a guy that's, you know, a bit of a sleeper that you're, that you've been looking at here? Yeah. Uh, I got to give credit to uh, James Riddle from Twitter. Uh, turned me onto this guy here, here but that's uh, Mark Anthony Richards, uh, former four-star. He uh, was number four athlete, top 100 prospect. He went to Auburn, uh, kind of got buried on that depth chart, but now he's following Gus Malzahn to UCF. And actually he ended up going to UCF before, Malzahn went there. Uh, but, you know, you got to love the familiarity uh, with Malzahn, um, you know, you know, in that system there too. But he, you know, UCF loses a lot of backfield production. Um, you know, they lost McCray, they lost Anderson. And Malzahn's a lot more run heavy than previous UCF coaches have been. Um, so, you know, I think that that's a pretty wide open depth chart there. I think it's going to be a depth chart where if you want anybody on a mile zone offense, you're going to want the running back. And, you know, Mark Anthony Richards, he was a high end athlete. You know, like I said, he was an athlete listed as an athlete, but he ran a four, five, six, 40, uh, four, two, five shuttle, 37 inch vert. He was used some as a wide receiver in high school as well. So he can catch the ball. I think he's pretty versatile and he's a guy who I know he's going to be going pretty very late in C2Cs. I would imagine he's probably going pretty late in CFF mocks too, you know, if he's not completely free. Um, so, but I think with that kind of athleticism, that kind of an open depth chart, you know, I think that's the kind of guy that you want to target really late is, you know, one of your last round picks who could hit and just absolutely blow up for you. Do we have any thoughts on uh, Raji Harris? who's at East Carolina. I know they're not necessarily always a prolific rushing offense, but he looked pretty solid down uh, the stretch there last year. Um, do either of you guys have any thoughts on him going into next year? It's, it's not a system I particularly target. Um, I do think that uh, whenever they had the coaching change uh, last year and, and moved on, um, I think he can be a little bit you know, take another step forward from where he was at last year. I think that new staff wants to run the ball and have that be a little bit more of an emphasis, but at the same time, man, their defense is bad. And we talked about game script and stuff like that. They're still playing catch up a lot of the time. So, uh, but based off value, he's one you could take a flyer on late. Yeah. No, I mean, I, cause I know, yeah, everyone wants Tyler Sneed. Everybody wants Holton Allers. Everybody wants, you know, CJ Johnson maybe. Um, but uh, Harris looked solid. And for some of these leagues that, you know, you're drafting 45, 50, 55 guys, you know, once around 35 hits <laughs> kind of just, you know, closing your eyes and throwing a dart anyway. So um, he's, he's a guy that I've been trying to buy some places this off season. Um, a wide receiver um, top guys. Um, 
you know, I think David Bell is a guy that, you know, is probably going to get a bajillion targets this year over Purdue, especially with Rondell Morgan. Outside of him, you know, are we looking at Calvin Austin? Um, you know, who else are you looking at kind of in that top tier um, as, you know, a headliner at the wide receiver position this year? But it's interesting you mentioned David Bell. It, you know, I, I was kind of looking at things as last season ended, and then um, I didn't realize how much I would like David Bell coming into this year. And the more that I got to looking at his situation, um, the history with Brom, Rondell Moore moving on, and we just got to talking about it in the chat room of our uh, mock draft with, with some of the industry guys. And I, I think that there's more of a consensus of David Bell being the wide receiver one for CFF this year than there might be for Malik Willis being the QB one uh, for CFF. And um, it's just interesting kind of how that played out. The other guys you mentioned, totally, totally agree with. I, I do think Calvin Austin jumps into that group. Taj Washington moving on. Um, I am a huge fan of uh, Khalil Shakir that is at Boise State. That guy is dynamic. Um, he can take the top off and he is dangerous in the open field. Um, I like Reggie Roberson. If, if, as long as we're getting good feedback in camp, he's healed up and he's ready to go. Like I said, just with you, like Ulysses family, that SMU offense is, uh, uh, puts up monster numbers. So I want, uh, I want shares of Reggie Roberson. Uh, Romeo Davis another guy that I like, uh, um, over Nevada. And then, um, I believe it's, is it booty at LSU? I think he pronounces it booty. Um, but, um, I want to put him in that same group just based off of what he did to finish up last year. Um, Marshall and chase also, you know, historically speaking, LSU the last couple of years have put up big numbers. So, um, you know, that, that would kind of be my top tier, but I do think David Bell is starting to separate himself a little bit. Do you have, or Colin, do you want to ask that question? Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, we, we like Oklahoma offenses there. Um, you know, you're an Oklahoma fan. So, you know, is there a wide receiver for Oklahoma that you prefer? Is there one that you think will, will separate and, you know, maybe jump up into that top tier of guys from a CFF perspective this year? Yeah. Um, I don't take it with a grain of salt, but I, I, uh, I was team Theo Weiss. Uh, last year, and I don't know how well that played out for me um, because he was just okay. Um, you know, with Hazelwood hurt, I thought he would do a lot more. Um, he looks to have a little bit of problem separating as well. Um, and I, Hazelwood came back. He looked, eh, he looked okay. Um, everybody wants him to be kind of that guy. The reports I'm getting just out of a few days, it's early on, but just out of a few days of spring so far in Norman, um, Mims has once again reestablished himself as the clear uh, number one guy. So um, I think he's kind of, uh, Mims has kind of set himself as that stretch slot uh, that that uh, Hollywood Brown was uh, a slot that isn't just your normal, you know, Wes Welker type runs. Yeah, he's great. He runs routes, blah, 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 but can actually take the top off. Um, I think Mims had like nine touchdowns over 20 plus yards last year, which is insane from the slot uh, as a true freshman. So um, all indications are he's, he's starting to really separate himself as wide receiver one there. 
That's interesting because I had kind of been, you know, not fading Mims as wholesale, but at, at cost, he was going very, very early. And I thought, you know, that, that's risky. But now that you say that, you know, that, you know, maybe I start to bump him back up rankings a little bit here as we go into the year. Um, Colin, do you have a, a wide receiver maybe that you're targeting, you know, top guy or mid-tier guy? I mean, you go with what you feel here. Um, so he's a guy who I'm a, he's right on the edge. Of, he's mid-tier, but he's like upper mid-tier. Um, and that would be Josh Downs um, for UNC. You know, Sam Howell needs to throw somebody at the ball. And the rest of those wide receivers look bad in the bowl game. Um, and there's a lot of wide receiver production gone there. You know, they lose Diami Brown, they lose Daz Newsom, you know, they lose a ton of the rushing production as well. So, you know, they don't really have anybody to lean on in that offense. They're going to have to lean on Sam Howell's arm, I think, um, you know, Ty Chandler coming in as a running back. So, you know, he's, he'll be okay, but I don't see him being as good as those two that he had, they had last year with Javante Williams and Carter. So I think it's going to be a lot of it is on Sam Howell's arm, you know, and like somebody has to catch the ball for him. And you may as well be the guy who was a four-star wide receiver, number 17. He's got, you know, high-end athleticism, uh, 4 4 7 40, 4 one, two shuttle. And something else I saw that really uh, really surprised me, there was a 41.9-inch vert. That's, that's insane vert. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to be the, the go-to target there. And I think he's going to provide a lot of uh, CFF points this year for you. Yeah. Phil, Phil Longo's uh, slot position has shown us over the years at a time at Ole Miss and North Carolina, that that's the spot you want to have. Um, AJ Brown was a monster. Uh, Daz Newsom was really, really good. Isn't, doesn't Diami Brown have a brother that's also there at North Carolina? Yeah, and they've been saying a lot of good things about him coming out of camp this year, you know, whether, you know, it's spring, so everybody looks good. But he seems to be the guy that's going to be the third guy along with uh, um, Downs and uh, what's his name, Corrales or whatever, that, that kind of plays uh, third to, to the other two. I, I don't know whether he'll be fantasy relevant or not, to be completely honest. But, um, you know, he was a high three-star, low four-star guy in his own right. So, you know, the, ped- the pedigree's there. They didn't just bring him in because his brother was there, so – I'm not really sure. Um, Our biggest sleeper at the wide receiver position this year. Do you guys have one guy that you think is really going to blow up here? I, um, me personally, I like, uh, I don't know how deep necessarily of a sleeper is. I got him. I want to say right around like 13th, 14th round, something like that of the CFF mock that we did, but I love uh, Sky Moore over at Western Michigan. Um, he's my guy. I think he is, uh, you know, he's going to fill in seamlessly at that Dwayne Eskridge role, uh, that we saw last year. He's not quite as explosive, but he's close. Uh, he came on like gangbusters last year, whenever he came back from injury after like, uh, their second week of the season. Um, they've got the same QB returning and LB. I just, everything lines up for him to have a really, really productive year. And, and we know historically speaking, Western Michigan uh, wide receiver one uh, is, uh, is a, is a very prime uh, position to have. Man, I'm glad I put a second name on the list. Cause I had Sky Moore as one of my, as my sleeper there too. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I just, 
Western Michigan was a top 24 passing offense last year. Um, and like you said, with Eskridge gone, I think Sky Morrow will really seamlessly step into that role. So um, it's, it's definitely reassuring to hear that, you know, you're on Sky Moore there as well. Um, so uh, to, to go in a different direction, and I think this is somebody who is pretty far off of uh, the radar. Um, I shouldn't say pretty far off the radar, but he's definitely not somebody who's going in any of our C2C mocks. Um, I don't think he'll go till, you know, late. I, I don't think he's a guy who's going to go very early in CFF mocks either. Um, and that's um, Aju Aju uh, for Clemson. Um, you know, and everybody's on the other guys there, uh, you know, EJ Williams, Frank Ladson, Jr., Joe Nada, Justin Ross coming back too. But, you know, Aju Aju is, he was tabbed as a potential breakout star by Amari Rogers, um, you know, who obviously was their leading receiver this past year and he just left. Um, you know, he said that he thought he looked really good, um, you know, in the spring practice that he watched, they were interviewing him. Um, I think it was part of Clemson Wire or, or whatever the, the USA Today's Clemson's article was. Uh, but this is a guy, he's 6'3", 230. Um, you know, he's a three-star guy. He's number 66 wide receiver in his class. So, um, you know, fairly low recruit there, but he's an absolute physical freak. Um, you know, 24-7 sports had him comp to Allen Robinson last year, you know, as he was coming out. So, you know, that kind of gives you the idea of at least the level of athlete and the, the level of, um, you know, contested catch receiver that he is. And I didn't really love what I saw out of Ladson and Nada. So, you know, I think Justin Ross coming back puts a bit of a damper on that. But, you know, like I said, he's a guy who's probably way off the radar. And he's a guy that I think could, uh, you know, if he breaks out in spring, like Amari Rogers was saying he would, you know, I think he uh, – He's a guy who will be shooting up some draft boards. It's interesting you uh, you picked him as kind of your backup uh, guy because I actually had EJ Williams as my backup guy. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I do think that uh, Ladson and Nada kind of kind of along the same lines of, and they're in the same class. Uh, Theo Howard and uh, Theo Howard. <laughs> Uh, uh, Hazelwood and, uh, and, and Theo over at OU, uh, that they have been uh, a little bit disappointing, um, from where they were top 10 type guys, uh, Ladson and not the same thing. I do think that one of those freshmen, whether it be EJ Williams or Aju Aju's got the opportunity to kind of step into that role and play the outside, um, position, which you really like at, uh, at Clemson, uh, to go, you know, to go along with um, DJU and, and and all the other weapons that they got there. So, yeah, absolutely. And just the name that I want to toss out there is a guy that, um, you know, I, I he's going in our C2C mocks. I don't think he's going in the CFF ones, and, and I don't know if I would draft him either. Um, but I think Mookie Cooper has a chance to do some nice things at Mizzou. I think they just want to get the ball in his hands. And that's a team that, like, you know, they're going to be down a lot. I don't think they're going to be very good this year. Um, so I just think there's going to be a lot of opportunity, you know, if he gets eight to 10 touches a game, you know, sweet jet sweeps and screens and, you know, some stuff in the passing game, you know, I think they might use him, you know, kind of, kind of how Colorado used Chenault with, you know, when they were a bad team with a, a kind of a limited quarterback. So I don't think that much of Connor Baslack. I don't know what you guys think of him, but, um, so I, I think Cooper could, could do some, some damage here over the next couple of years in Missouri. Yeah, the spring reports are nice on him. That's for sure. 
they back that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that is it for tonight, right? That's the last thing we had here. Unless, oh, tight ends. Do we care? I mean, you said, you know, this is a deep year for tight end, but there, is there anybody, you know, like do you, you don't target a guy early, do you? You kind of sit and wait and, and grab some of those guys or, or how, how are things shaping up this year for CFF purposes for tight end? Um, in the past, it's kind of de- dependent on the uh, the format. I, I, I rule in uh, best ball leagues where you don't have the ability to uh, sub in a player. I will tend to take a tight end a little bit earlier. Um, but this year is a little bit different. I do think it's a deeper, uh, it's a deeper group at tight end, um, where you can wait, 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 and still get, you know, a guy that can produce it at tight end 15, just as well as you could tight end five. Um, so yeah, I, I, especially this season, I would tend to wait, um, and, you know, take like, uh, for instance, like a Grant Calhatera at, uh, at SMU. Um, late, uh, Will Mallory at, uh, at Miami, just a couple guys that, that kind of come to, uh, to mind, um, that you can wait on the guys aren't taken super early and feel just as comfortable, uh, with those guys, uh, as you would, you know, a, a tight end five or tight end six in the draft. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I know Colin, we, the, basically the joke that we have running is that we just never talk about tight end on this show. Is there anybody, you know, th- this is like your two minutes here. You get to talk tight end. Is there anybody you want to highlight? Um, you know, I mean, I'll just highlight, um, Cole Turner from Nevada. Uh, I know that's a guy that you've mentioned that you're looking into a lot more there, Austin recently, but, um, you know, at least in our fan tracks league, Cole Turner had dual tight end wide receiver eligibility last year. Um, I think he'll have probably just strictly tight end this year. I think they're moving him to tight end there full time, but, you know, Nevada's a high end passing offense. They're, they're going to put up a lot of yards. Uh, they have dubs there, obviously, as the, the number one wide receiver. But I think Cole Turner could absolutely be the number two option in that passing offense. And I think he's a guy that, you know, could put up some really nice numbers this year. And he's also, at least from a C2C perspective, would be a guy that I'd be interested in for the pros as well, just because I tend to gravitate more towards those wide receiver, the converted wide receivers. For, for my tight ends, you know, I, I like a lot of athleticism from a tight end position. So, yeah, I, I think Cole Turner is a guy to at least, you know, monitor there. I don't like doing comps, but he reminds me a lot of Robert Tunyon. He's with the Packers this year, just, you know, his skill set, um, you know, and, and how they move and they seem size wise, like they're pretty similar. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for C2C purposes, he goes pretty late. And I think, you know, if I don't get Eric Gilbert or I don't get Michael Mayer, then I'll, I'll wait till round 15 and take Cole Turner and be very happy with that. Yeah, be prepared to, from a CFF standpoint. You, you have to spend a little bit more draft capital on Cole Turner than you would, uh, you know, a C2C or Debbie. He went, uh, for instance, in our in our uh, um, recent mock, he went uh, mid-round six, Um and there literally wasn't another quarterback taken or sorry. Yeah. Six. Yeah. There wasn't another quarterback taken until round 11 or a tight end taken until round 11. So a uh, big gap um, between Turner and some of the other tight ends uh, on the board, but there was a huge run in round 11 uh, where a lot of the other tight ends were kind of grouped together. So just a one, one draft sample size, but it does seem like he's a little bit more sought after than some of the other guys. Yeah, I think he went early in the one that I did as well. Um, I think Weyermeyer went a little earlier um, 
too. I, he went after Turner, but I think he kind of broke away from that that pack, like we saw in that one you did, where it was like nine straight tight ends uh, in, yeah. in that round or whatever, which was which was interesting to see. Um, awesome. Any any other thoughts on CFF twenty twenty one or otherwise uh, to close out the show here, Nate? No, man, that's, uh, honestly, that's all I got. Like I said, uh, just to understand some of the differences and that, uh, uh, you know, systems, uh, understanding coaching philosophies, uh, play calling script, that type of thing, uh, is really king when it comes to CFF. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us here tonight. Um, again, for you guys who either missed it at the beginning of the show, didn't write it down, um, or, or otherwise, or aren't following him, you can find Nate on Twitter at CFF Nate. He is um, on there uh, you know, doing a lot of good stuff like that. Um, beyond that, guys, just remember to rate and review the show. We have this Travis Etienne signed jersey that we're going to be giving away here uh, within the next couple of weeks. Um, just rate, review the show, send one of us a screenshot of that. Uh, you can find me at Debbie Dietz on Twitter. You can find Colin at C2C Decker, or you can hit us up at the show um, at Campus DeCanton accounts. Um, beyond that, make sure to join us uh, later in the week for our uh, Canton Bound episode, the NFL side of things. Um, but until then, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good week, everybody.